hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Did you have a great Thanksgiving? Uh, man, I did too. And uh, hey, just a little update right quick. Uh, last week was our Big Give Sunday. And uh, praise God, we're already about a third of the way to our goal. So our goal is to raise enough for, for the residency for three years. So the first year is done, paid for. So thank you so much for your generosity and giving to that. Maybe you haven't had a chance to do that. You can still give to it from now to the end of the year. So just encourage you to continue to give as God lays that on your heart uh, to allow us to train and raise up this next generation of leaders, all right? Exciting times. All right, so have you been keeping up with the news with Rain Wilson? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Rain Wilson, uh, you probably know him. He's an actor. You probably know him as Dwight on The Office, all right? You know, that, you know who that guy is? All right, so he recently changed his name, and it made the news uh, because of, of the name that he chose. Now, uh, I got to tell you, before I tell you what the name is, got to do a little backstory here. Uh, he is, a, how do you say this, a climate change activist. I guess that's how, what you would say. It. He's really into this cause. And so he wanted to kind of promote the cause by changing his name uh, that would reflect something about climate change. And so here's he, actually his new name, according to him. It's Rainfall Heat Wave Rising Sea Levels Wilson. All right, so I don't, I don't know, it's kind of a long, kind of a long name, uh, but what he's doing is actually he's encouraging people to go uh, to this website, it's a name generator, and you kind of put your name in there, and it will give you options of new names for you. And I thought, well, you know, what the heck, it's Thanksgiving, you know, I've watched a lot of football, why not? So I, I went on the website on the name generator, and I put my name in there just to see what options it would give me, and a According to the name generator, this is my new name, Craig Terrible Tornadoes Etheridge. <laughs> so feel free to call me Terrible Tornado anytime you want to. Uh, anyway, that's crazy, isn't it? Uh, you know, it's, it, it's kind of funny to, to think about those kind of things, how you would change your name. But uh, actually, there are people in the Bible whose name was changed by God, right? God changed their name, and he did it for a reason, to clarify a purpose in their life, and I want to talk about that today. Get your Bible out, open it up with me to the book of Numbers, all right? We're in the Old Testament, book of Numbers, uh, chapter 13. Now, let me just kind of catch you up. We're closing out our crossover series, just a four-part series, and I, I, we're, clear, uh, we're, we're closing it out today. And so I want to kind of catch up on where we've been. The first uh, message was really about Joshua, and he's getting his people up, getting ready to cross over in the Jordan. And we talked about how we have to prepare ourselves to be ready when God moves that we follow him, right? We don't wanna be like the last time the Israelites were there and God moved forward and they said, no, we're not gonna do that. We wanna be ready to go when God says go and to move where God says move and to, and to move into new areas where God leads us into new areas. So that was the first message. Second message, we looked at the actual crossing over of the Jordan in, in Joshua chapter three and four. And we saw how we took 12 memorial stones out of the riverbed, remember that? And he built a memorial. And when the kids look at that, where did these stones come from? They can talk about what God did. And in that message, we talked about how God's leading us to establish 12 church planting hubs all over the world where we will, those hubs will generate more and more church plants and exciting vision uh, in the life of our church. And then the third message was last week, and we talked about how Joshua was prepared for this moment 
to lead at this level because he was in a residency under Moses. And that he and I showed you the different developmental stages of Joshua in his residency to prepare him to lead. And we talked about how God's gonna use our church as a teaching church to attract young leaders and to raise them up through our residency to send them out to church plants all over the world, right? So that was last week. So this week, we're gonna talk about an event that happened in Joshua's life that changed him, literally, but also defined and clarified for him his real purpose in life, all right? And that's where we're at in Numbers chapter 11. So if you're with me, in Numbers 11, say amen. All right, Numbers 11, we're gonna begin at verse one. This is the word of God. Uh, The Lord spoke to Moses, send men to scout out the land of Canaan, I'm giving to the Israelites. Send one man who was a leader among them from each of their ancestral tribes. And Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran at the Lord's command. And all the men were leaders in Israel. Now stop right there for just a minute. This is the first time the Israelites have just come out of bondage in Egypt. They got the Ten Commandments. They're now at the lip of uh, the Jordan River. And now they're gonna cross over. And before they do that, Uh, God commands Moses to select 12 leaders, one from every tribe, uh, that will go out on a recon mission. And this was a very dangerous mission. There was no guarantee that they would survive, no guarantees that they would return. But they were to go out and kind of scope out the land. What is it like? What are the major features of the land? What are the people like there? How fortified are the cities that are there? And bring back a report. And so if you continue to look there, verses 5 through 14 or 15, there's just a listing of the 12 men, what tribe they are from. And you'll notice there that, that Joshua is, is listed as well um, in verse 8. But look at verse 16. It says, these were the names of the men Moses sent out to scout out the land. And Moses renamed Hoshea, son of Nun, Joshua. Now you get that? That Joshua was not his given name, that his name was changed to Joshua. His actual name given to him by his parents was Hoshea, which means salvation or deliverance. Joshua means the Lord saves, the Lord delivers. Now, this is the only place in the Bible where we see that Joshua's name was actually changed. Uh, and so a lot of questions we have, you know, well, when did his name get changed like this? And we're not really sure, but from the context of Numbers 13, we can surmise that probably his name was changed before he went across the Jordan for the first time, before he stepped into the promised land, his name was changed. Now you say, well, why did God change his name? Or why did the Lord lead Moses to do that? And again, we're not given any explanation. Some people think it's so that when he was on his mission, when things got really dicey and he was afraid for his life, that he would remember that the Lord will save him. And that could be, that certainly could be the case. But I think there's something more to the story here about his name. Now, bear with me for a minute as I, as I walk you through something to explain why I think this is so significant. You know, names are really important. Would you agree with that? Names are important. Um, Quentin is a Broadway actor in New York City, and whenever he does clinics for aspiring actors and actresses, 
uh, he will have them to step forward and say their name. And it's interesting, he said, how they say their name. It's interesting how a person says their name. Sometimes they kind of say it like it's, you know, no big deal. They're just, I'm Jimbo, right? Or whatever your name is. Yeah, it just kind of just rolls off their tongue. Some people say it almost apologetically. Some say it almost like they're shy about their name or embarrassed about their name. And whenever he senses any kind of hesitancy, he'll say, okay, hold on, step back. Let's try this again. And this time say it like you mean it. Say it like you own it. Say it like it matters. You know, our names matter. And, and I think uh, names matter for a couple of reasons. One reason is that names matter because your name identifies your person. It answers the question, who are you? Who are you? You know, when the girls were born, our girls were born, uh, we went to great thought uh, about what we would name them, right? We had the, remember back then, I don't know if they still do this today, they had the name books, right? And you had all the listing of names and uh, what the names mean. All that's probably online now. You don't need a book anymore. But, but back in the old days, we had books, all right? These things were binded together with paper in them. Anyway, and, uh, and they had the name books. And so we'd look up and, I, and it was so cool. We, we chose every name, what it meant. We translated into Hebrew and put it on the wall because these names matter. They reflect who they are. The same thing with God, right? The way we know who God is in, in, in large part is by his name. We know he is Jehovah Rapha. He is a God who heals. He's Jehovah Nisi. He's a God, the Lord, our banner. Uh, he is Jehovah Shalom. He's the Lord, our peace. And, and that, that's why God said, do not take the Lord's name in vain, right? Is because the name matters. It's a reflection of his character of who he is. And, and that's certainly the case when we come to faith in Jesus. We're called something different when we come to faith in Jesus Christ. My favorite verse on that is 1 John 3, verse 1. It says, see what great love the Father has given us, that we should be called God's children, and we are. <laughs> I love that. He goes, man, that's who we are, man. We are God's children. When you give your life to Christ, you are called something different. You're no longer an enemy of God. You are a child of God. It's a great place for an amen, right? You're no longer at enmity with God. You are, you are his child, right? So our name identifies our person. Secondly, our, our, your name um, specifies your people. It specifies your people. It, it answers the question, who do you belong to? You know, your last name tells what tribe you belong to. I'm of the Etheridge tribe. I can, I can go back and do genealogy on the Etheridges and where we were and where we came from and so on because that's my people group. Your last name identifies that. When a lady gets married, right, she changes her last name because now she's identified with a new family, a new people group. When you look in the Bible at all the genealogies and so-and-so son of so-and-so son of so-and-so son of so-and-so, they're identifying the lineage. What group do you belong to was really important in those days. And of course, when you give your life to Christ, who you belong to is important and it changes. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10, it says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you would not receive mercy, now you have received mercy. When you give your life to Christ, not only do you become a new person, but you now belong to a new family. You're a part of the child, uh, of the family of God. You're a child of God, a part of the family of God, a new community of faith. And your name reflects that. But 
this last one here is, I think, the most important. And that is that your name clarifies your purpose. It answers the question, what are you called to do? What are you called to do? Some names reflect a vocation or a calling, right? Like the name Cook or Shepherd or uh, Taylor or Mason, right? Or Skinner, right? Any of the last names, uh, they reflect somebody back there did that for their job, right? And they said, what's your name? Well, we'll just call you Cook and uh, we'll move on. And so that's, that's how you got your name. It, 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 it kind of reflected what you were called to do. Now, I really believe this is, this is what God was looking for with Joshua, that, that God had a special purpose for him, that his name was changed because God was calling him to do something new, right? God had a special purpose for Joshua. Think about it. Joshua, I don't, I don't believe he called him Joshua so that when he got out there and he got scared, he remember, oh, the Lord's gonna save me. The Lord saves, Yahweh saves, he's gonna save me. I think what he was saying to Joshua is this, Joshua, I've got a unique purpose for you. Notice he doesn't change any of the other guys' names, only Joshua's name. Joshua was the one in training. Joshua would be the, the up and coming leader. Joshua, I've got a renewed purpose for you. And that is that through you, the Lord is going to save his people and bring them safely in to this promised land. Every time Joshua heard his new name, he was reminded that the Lord is gonna save his people. The Lord is gonna do this. That's what his name means. Hey, Lord saves, come over here and help me move this. Hey, Lord saves, can you pick this up from the grocery store? You know, it's like every time he hears his name, it's the Lord saves, the Lord saves, the Lord saves. Joshua, God's got a special purpose for you, a special mission for you. I'm clarifying now your unique purpose. Why you're on the planet, Joshua, is because God's gonna work through you to save his people. His name changed, clarified his purpose. Now, Joshua's not the only one that God did that with. If you were to rewind the tape of history, you go all the way back to a man named Abram. Remember Abram living in this pagan city called Ur in Mesopotamia and God called him out. And what did God do in Genesis 17? God changed his name from Abram to what? What, what is it again? Abraham, right? Abram means exalted father. Abraham means the father of multitudes. And why did God change his name to that? Because in, in Genesis 17, verse five, he said, you will be the father of many nations. Abraham, every time you hear your name, you're reminded I've got a unique purpose for you to father the nation of Israel. Same thing happened with Jacob. Remember Jacob? Uh, the name Jacob means deceiver, right? Trickster. All right, sorry all you Jacobs in the house, all right? Uh, it means uh, deceiver, all right? Trickster, uh, uh, supplanter, all right? And uh, that's exactly who he was. This guy was a tricky dude, right? I mean, he deceived his father out of a blessing. He deceived his brother out of a birthright. This was a guy who would win at any cost. And yet when he finally went toe-to-toe -to -toe with God and literally this wrestling with the Lord at night, remember the story, wrestling with the Lord. And uh, there's this one dramatic point where the Lord says, what is your name? He goes, I'm, I'm Jacob. And he's like, uh, I'm deceiver, I'm supplanter. And he said, no, 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 your name is Israel. No longer are you Jacob, you're Israel, the one who wrestles with God and prevails. And it's interesting after that 
declaration of his new name, it said that the dawn began to break, light began to flood over him, and he walked now into a new day with a new name and a new purpose that through him would come the 12 tribes of Israel and the very nation that had been promised to Abraham. It's an amazing thing, the power of his name. You see the same thing happen in the New Testament, by the way. It's not only an Old Testament thing. Remember Simon? Simon is a common name in the, in the New Testament. It means one who listens, all right, one who hears. Very common name. But when Jesus met Simon for the very first time, they shook hands. He said, hey, Simon, by the way, I think I'm going to call you something different. Uh, from now on, you're going to be called, yeah, Peter. I'm going to call you Peter. What does Peter mean? It means rock, right? And, and, and that was significant for Peter because Peter really was the rock of this new Christian movement. It was Peter that preached at Pentecost and 3,000 were saved. It was Peter that would write uh, literally two books of the, of the New Testament and probably was behind the, the Gospel of Mark. It's Peter that would stand up against the religious leaders of his day. Peter was the rock uh, of that early Christian movement and Jesus could see it. He said, Peter, you don't understand all that I've got in mind for you, but I know what I have in mind for you. And this name fits you just right. I got a new purpose. I'm defining your purpose, Peter. I'm defining your calling. You see, whenever God changes your name, he clarifies your calling. Whenever God changes your name, he clarifies your calling. You said, well, Craig, now why are you, why are you telling us this? I get, I get it. We got to clarify, change your name. He clarifies your call. I get that. Why are you telling us this? Because we are standing at a point in our church's history when God is changing our name. He's changing our name from First Colleyville to Cross Creek Church. Now, while I let that settle in for just a minute, let me try to answer some questions that are probably running around your mind. I'm going to answer the what the why, the how, and the when. All right, are you ready? So let's talk about the what. What in the world does Cross Creek mean? All right, what does that name mean? And I'm so glad you asked, all right? Cross Creek, have you noticed that we have a creek that runs through our property? All right, since the beginning of the church, we've always had this creek running uh, between our property. And roughly about 13 years ago, when we built the student building over there, that became very significant because when kids graduate from our kids program and there are sixth graders and they're going to move up to high, middle school and then to high school, they had to cross the creek. And so we began to have these Sundays where you would cross the creek to move into the student building. And they were so excited about it because they want to be with the cool kids, right, in the student building. And so they, we actually had a cross the creek Sunday where you crossed over up into the new student area. And boy, they were so excited. It was cross the creek Sunday. And then high schoolers, whenever they graduate from high school, they would also cross the creek. It was like a rite of passage. They would go up to the creek and they'd cross over it again, moving out of high school and on into adulthood and college or career or whatever God had for them. So over the last 10, 12, 13 years, we've been doing these cross the creek Sundays. And, and what it really meant was you're moving up to the next thing. You're moving to the new era. You're moving into new territory you've never been before. You know, water always represents a barrier, right? And when you cross over that barrier, you're crossing into area that you've never been before. Isn't that what God told Joshua? 
Remember when they were standing on the, the river, uh, the Jordan River? And he said, you're going to have to follow me, Joshua, because you've never been this way before. And so crossing over the Jordan River was an act of faith. It was moving into new territories. It was moving into the promise that God had, moving into the new purpose that God had for him. And that's what it means for us too. So over the last decade, we've been doing cross the creek, moving into new territories. And that's become part of our ethos, part of the culture, unique thing about our church. In fact, four years ago, when we were trying to figure out what would be a good thing to name our church planting network, we thought, oh, well, you know exactly what we should name it. We should name it Cross Creek because we're crossing over into new areas, new countries, new cultures, and we're gonna plant a church there and that's where we're gonna make disciples. And so it just made sense that Cross Creek always meant moving into the new territories that God has marked out for us. And then, of course, when we start our residency, what should we call our residency? Well, obviously, we're gonna call it the Cross Creek Residency because we're training up these leaders to go into new areas that we've never been before. And so Cross Creek just made sense. It is our, it's our missional identity. It's who we are, a church that doesn't settle for what's easy on our side, but is always pushing, always moving forward, always going into the territories that God has marked out for us to have. So that's what the name means. It's a pretty cool name. It's got real significance to it. Uh, now, let me tell you what this name change does not mean, all right? Everybody do like this. It does not mean what I'm about to tell you, all right? Let me tell you what it does not mean. It does not mean um, that we're changing our Baptist affiliation. We are a Baptist church. We're thankful for that. We will always be a Baptist church. And uh, we're, we're highly involved in our Baptist convention. I teach at the Baptist seminary. Uh, we partner with International Mission Board, North American Mission Board, all of our Baptist entities we give uh, to Baptist causes. So we are a Baptist church. That is not changing. Uh, we are, it does not mean that we're changing any of our core beliefs, right? We're still preaching the Bible, amen? And we still hold to the Baptist faith and message, which is our doctoral statement on our website. And that's what it will remain. So none of that is changing either. It also does not mean that uh, we're forgetting our heritage or our history. We're very thankful for those men and women who gathered in a small living room in May of 1955 and dreamed of a day when they could be a part of starting a church that would plant churches all over the world. The only difference between them and us is they dreamed about it and we get to live it. They saw it in faith. We get to see it with our eyes and be a part of it. We are the answer to their dream. So we're not separating ourselves from our past. But what it does mean is that we are clarifying our purpose. Who we are as a people are people that don't play it safe, but we're always crossing over into new territory. We're always following the Lord. We're always willing to take risk in faith to go where God calls us to go. That's what the name means. Every time we hear the name, Cross Creek Church, it's where are you crow, where are you going? Where are you crossing? Are you moving forward? Are you trusting God in faith? That's what the name means and that's what it reminds us to always do. All right? So what does the name mean? That's what I just said. All right, so let's talk about the why. Why is it important to change our name? 
Well, there are a couple, of, a couple of things that I might point out just real briefly. One is it obviously aligns our ministries, Cross Creek Network, Cross Creek Residency under the umbrella of Cross Creek Church. It just simply makes sense for us to do that. And who knows what new ministries will be coming, Cross Creek Recovery Ministry, Cross Creek Worship. Who knows what God's gonna bring down the line as we trust him and walk with him by faith. Uh, it also removes barriers. It removes barriers. You know, our name right now identifies with a specific location, Colleyville. But you may not know that only 20% of our church actually live in Colleyville. Only 20%. 80% of us don't live in Colleyville. We live in Northridge and Hills and Euless and Keller and Grapevine and Euless and all, all over the place. And while first Colleyville made perfect sense when you were in a little sleepy town in 1955, right? It was a little bitty community. But now uh, we're a regional church and we've simply outgrown the name. We just simply outgrown it. In fact, there's some people that don't even come to visit here because of, of the name as a barrier. And so we want to remove all those barriers so that we can be all things to all people and reach as many people as we can. Uh, another reason why it's important is that it just opens doors. You know, think about it. Cross Creek Church has limitless possibilities. We can plant Cross Creek churches in Texas. We can plant them in uh, all over the United States. We can plant them, I guess we can plant them in Canada. Once you get outside and the, and the language starts changing, I don't know what Cross Creek means, all right? So I, I'm not sure about that. But, uh, but if we have all these possibilities to multiply and grow our church. So why it just... It, it removes barriers, it opens op opportunities, it aligns our ministries. But let me talk about the how. You know, I think sometimes the how was just about as important as the what. How did we come to this decision to change this name? Well, let me just tell you this. This has not been a quick snap decision. In fact, you may not know this, but we've been praying, our leadership has been praying about this for four years. Four years we've been praying about this name change. Lord, is this the time? Lord, is this time? And up till this point, it's been no, not yet, no, not yet, no, not yet, no, not yet. So we've been really seeking God about it. But in January of this year, God really began to stir our hearts that this was the time to do it. We went on a staff retreat, which we do every year. And we just were seeking God for direction and, and kind of the vision. And I can remember we were talking about this name change at that time. And I took out my journal. This is my prayer journal. This is January 20th, 2021, and uh, we were on our retreat, and I was reading Psalm 20, verse 7, and it says, trust in the, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And I was just meditating on that, and I was saying, Lord, you know, we're, we're thinking about this vision. Where are you leaning us, God? We don't want to step outside of your direction, Lord, make it clear. Lord, we know that these plans will not succeed unless you're in it, Lord, so we're trusting in you. And as I was just meditating on those things and listening to the Lord, I wrote down what God put on my heart. He said, Craig, don't trust in your ability or resources or strength. Put your trust in me today. Depend on me, surrender to me. I want to bless you, answer you, protect you, and bring these things to pass. Set your eyes on me and I will do it. And I can remember writing those words and, and a settledness in my heart that God was speaking to us about this name change. Of course, I shared that with our, our uh, team and 
we came back in February to our leadership council and we talked about it with them. We said, hey guys, we need to make a decision. Should we do this or not? Are you hearing from the Lord like this? They said, give us 30 days to pray about it. So we took another 30 days. We came back in March, said, all right, we need to decide if we moving across this barrier or not. And they said, 100%, we're in. 100%, I mean, I said, is anybody gonna push back on this? Nope, nope, we're in, 100%, let's do this. God's in it, let's move forward in faith. And so 100% leadership council said, we're in, let's do this. And so we started thinking about, okay, what would all that entail online signage, all this kind of stuff? What would all that entail? So through the spring and the summer, we've been working on it. But even as late as September, I've been going, Lord, are you sure? All right. I sometimes feel a little bit like Gideon, like, okay, I know you said that, but you know, could you just clarify it one more time? So I remember it was back in uh, September. It was actually on Labor Day. And I was praying about this again. I was in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse four. And uh, this is what I read. If you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. <laughs> and I said, okay, Lord, all right. No more waiting. I mean, you know, we, we gotta get this done. And so it was with that kind of settledness that we said, you know, God is in this and he's affirmed it over and over again. So in October, September and October, we gathered leaders, 350 leaders from all ministries of our church. And we gathered them together and we talked about this out loud and we met in groups and we discussed it and we talked about it. And, and every one of those was met with just uh, affirmation and support of the direction the Lord is leading. So I guess what I'm saying is I can come to you today and just say, hey, you know, this is, uh, God's in this. God's leading us. I mean, if we're listening to the Lord, if we're seeking his face, if he's confirming in his word, confirming in his people, that this is a unique time in our church's history and we get to be a part of it. I mean, it's gonna be an historic moment in the life of our church and we're here and we're gonna get to be a part of this. So God's in the process of changing our name, Cross Creek Church. We talked about what that means, talked about why. We talked about how we got to this point. Uh, but let me, let me answer one more question. That is when? Well, when will this actually happen? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, answer to that is January 1. All right, so January 1 is the flip the switch date. I know you've enjoyed the brown crackle signs outside and uh, you've been enjoying those, but those are gonna go away, praise God. And uh, we're gonna have new signs. So here's uh, some pictures of kind of what those new signs will take a look like. But we're gonna start the new year uh, in 11 o'clock, a service on January the 1st, a new year, new name, new, new times of worship. And, uh, but same gospel, same Jesus, same mission, same calling, same people uh, with a clarified purpose of what God has called us uh, to do. Listen, when God changes your name, he clarifies your purpose. All right, now listen to me. Every time you hear the word Cross Creek, here's what I want you to go in your mind. We are the people that cross over. We're the Cross Creek people. We're the people that see a barrier and we cross over the barrier. We don't play it safe. We're always moving forward in faith. We're always going to new places. We're always planting new churches and starting new ministries because we don't, we don't ever play it safe. We're always crossing over. We are Cross Creekers, all right? You need a t-shirt that says Cross Creeker, all right? We are, that's what we do. That's who we are. That's what God's called us to be. And we can never be anything different than that. I tell you what, I wanna be a part of a church like that, man. I wanna be a part of a church like that that's ready to move forward in faith. So let's get back to Joshua, all right? Joshua, his name changed from Hoshea, the uh, salvation, deliverance, to Joshua, the Lord saves, the Lord delivers. But I think there's even more to it than just that, that God had a unique purpose for Joshua. And here's why, because 
the, in the Hebrew, Joshua is pronounced, get this, Yeshua. Yeshua. Does that sound familiar to anybody? That is actually Jesus in Hebrew. Yeshua. Now think about that. Joshua was, the Lord's going to save, but it was a foreshadowing of the ultimate Savior, Yeshua. I mean, see, Joshua had no idea. I mean, he's just walking in obedience where he at. He had no idea that 1,400 years later, the Messiah would come bearing that same new name. And he would come as the ultimate Savior of the world. That Messiah would be born in a manger, but he would go to a cross. And on that cross, he would purchase salvation for you and for me. In just a few moments, we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. And we're going to remember what Jesus did for us. I want you to listen to me very carefully, all right? Listen to me, all right? This is really important. When God changes your name, he clarifies your purpose. That was certainly the case for Joshua. But when God, listen to me, when God clarifies your purpose, you have to surrender to it, all right? You have to surrender to it. When Joshua's name was changed, he knew what his purpose was to lead God's people into the promised land and conquer it. But he had to say, yes, Lord, I will do it. And he had to cross over. Abraham had to say, yes, Lord, I will, I will be the father of nations. I will do it. Jacob had to say, yes, Lord, I will do it. Peter had to say, yes, Lord, I will do it. Jesus had to say, yes, Lord, I will do it. He had to come to that place at Gethsemane where he said, not my will, but yours be done. So here's the question. As we are coming into the end of the year, and as you look back on this year, are you surrendered fully to God's purpose for your life? You see, God's doing a great work in our church, a new work in our church, historic work. He's changing our name. He's clarifying our purpose. But as a church, we have, to, we have to be obedient to that name. We have to live up to that name. We have to actually cross barriers and go into new places and, and, and do the things that God has for us to do. We have to surrender to it. And the same is true individually. You have to say, Lord, I want to be the person fully surrendered to you, God, to do what you have called me to do. So I want you to bow your heads with me for a minute. I want you to think about this question. What has God called you to do that you've not done yet? What is God calling you to do that you say, ah, I'll do that later, maybe some other time? What he's looking for is your full surrender to him. We're gonna take the Lord's Supper here in just a minute. And if you did not receive these elements, if you'd raise your hand up and hold it up really high so they can see you, we have somebody who will bring it to you quickly. We want you to, to have it. But I want you to take a minute to think and pray. Lord, what does it mean for me to be fully surrendered to you? Maybe that means giving up something, laying aside an offense, laying aside bitterness, laying aside a hurt, laying aside anger. Maybe it means stepping forward like Joshua into something new, into new territories, a new calling on your life. Take a moment 
to just say, Lord, I'm surrendering all that I am to you. On the night that Jesus was with his disciples, he took the bread, and if you'll take that piece of bread out. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And he said, as you eat this bread, you're reminded of my full surrendered obedience to the Father. And we're reminded that we should obey the Lord as Jesus has done. Lord, we remember. Eat all of it. And then he took the cup, this cup of forgiveness, this cup of redemption, and he said, this is my blood poured out for you as the Savior, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I'm going to pour out my blood as a sacrificial offering on your behalf to wash you clean. Lord, we thank you and we worship you that you gave your life for us. Take it. Lord Jesus, we worship you this morning. Lord, thank you that you surrendered fully to the purpose the Father had for you. That you came that you put on human form, that you walked this earth, that you showed us the Father, that you went to the cross, that you suffered the full payment of our sin. Thank you that you were raised again to life and ascended to the right hand of the Father is coming soon. And Lord, today we surrender ourselves as individuals and as a church to the purpose you have for us. Lord, use us to take the gospel to all nations. Use us to make disciples of all nations. Lord, use us to impact people for eternity. While we still have life and breath, Lord, we surrender to you fully and completely. Lord, we are yours. Pray this in Jesus' name.